this morning I really want to talk about the song which we just sang. And we're going to go back and look at it here in just a little bit. But I'm going to say that what I wanted to just spend just a couple minutes today was actually talking about being remembered and what we will be remembered by. Over the years, I can tell you, I've done a whole lot more leading of singing than I have getting up and speaking like this. In fact, it's been over 20 years, and, I, and my wife and I were thinking about that since I've done this. And so I will tell you right now, Josh and I, we've got this backwards, okay? He, I, he may be very, uh, I, well, I know he's comfortable speaking. love hearing Josh speak. And I can tell you, I'm a lot more comfortable leading singing. But having said that, when we think about being remembered, our, the scripture that I, we had read this morning, it said again, the length of our days is 70 or 80 years if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. All of us were here today, we're gone tomorrow. And we really, it, you know, it's oftentimes we, we just don't stop to think about that. Sometimes it'll happen as far as when there's an accident or when somebody has bad health to where they die and they may be much younger in age. And boy, howdy, that hits all of us, in, you know, in a way that we go, wait a second, you know, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, now when somebody who's in their 70s or 80s dies, we stop and we think and we go again, knowing that our life here is not permanent. We go, yes, they had a full life. You stop and you look at how God has put us here and what he has done as far as wanting us to do and serving him. I want to read another scripture out of 1 Peter 1.24. It says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Again, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. Well, Mark, it doesn't seem like it's that way. Well, I can tell you that today, being 64 years of age, I still think that I'm 24. I, 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 my mind sometimes, I think I, I haven't progressed beyond 24. But I tell you what, uh, when I get up in the morning, sometimes I go, wait a second, at 24, I didn't feel this way. And a couple of weeks ago, and I think I may have shared, with, I know I've shared with a few of you, a couple of weeks ago, I took a fall in the house, and boy, howdy, it was really sobering because I was out of control when I fell. I mean, I fell flat on my face. And if I had fallen six inches one way or the other, I just might not have been here this morning because I was very fortunate in that uh, I hit my head on a pillow that was on a chair. But I, if I'd been either direction, I'd have hit, well, I'd have hit uh, a marble, is what I would have hit, as I went down. It took me a couple days to get over it. And, you know, as I say that, my goodness, that, that just doesn't happen. And or it doesn't happen to me, is what I'm going to say. It doesn't happen to Mark. My goodness, he doesn't fall out of control. But my mother, who's living back in Texas, who just turned 87, 
you know, mom is at an age now that I oftentimes look and, and I'll go in and visit with mom at the, the place where she is staying. And there's about 10, 11 residents there. And all of the residents there just about are not able to get around well at all. That's the reason why they're there. They're not able to live by themselves. And it's always been interesting to me, being younger, how did that happen? How'd they get, you know, how in their life did they go from being a young, you know, person getting out, doing things, having a family, to now being at a point to where all they're doing is sitting? They're, you know, not able to do much. They're not able to get around. And I know that if we sat down with every one of them and we found out the story which they have, we'd find out different things. We'd find that there were accidents that may have put them there. There's been health reasons. There's just been getting older for that matter. Well, when we stop and we think about getting older, I can tell you that every one of us, and I say every one of us, many of us and the older ones, we have been where? We have been to a funeral. And we've been to a funeral to where we've gathered around, and we've gathered around, you know, the family, we've gathered around, uh, you know, the folks that, you know, have a loss, and it may have been us. But those people that are there, they're feeling that loss. They see the person, you know, possibly in a casket, or they're having a remembrance that they're talking about them. And in doing so, they're telling stories about them. They're telling about their life and what they did. But, it is, but is there any way that really just, you know, at a funeral, it might last for what? An hour at the longest? In that hour, can they really tell you about that person and their life and what they've done and what they did during that life? There's not really any way. You can learn many things. I, I have sat in funerals where people have, you know, there's been someone telling about their life. And my goodness, it's interesting, you know, knowing things that I didn't know. And I didn't, didn't know that they had done or, you know, places they had been. But we can learn things. Well, having said that, after a generation or two, even... The life that we had here on earth, is it really remembered? I'll take you back to one individual here just very quickly. Not anybody here except myself remembers Harry Carson. Harry Carson was my grandfather on my mother's side. And I can, boy, I, I could spend all day. In fact, that, Patty would say she'd get up and walk out if I did. But I could spend all day telling you about Harry Carson. My grandfather, he was a hog farmer. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you are a hog farmer, and we're going back to the 60s now, oh my goodness, there's so many stories there that could be told. But let me say this about my grandfather. Things other than just, you know, him being that, he was a Christian. And I can tell you, we knew that when we went to St. Francis, Kansas, and in the, uh, in the room here, other than my wife, I know that uh, Kelly here knows where St. Francis is. Anybody else know where St. Francis is? 
I didn't think so. Oh, uh oh, I, I got Kelly's sister here this morning. She knows where St. Francis is too. Well, I can tell you that Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, I can remember. Now, again, I was only nine years old when my grandfather passed away. But I can remember that when we went to visit Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, where were we? We were at the church in St. Francis. And up in northwestern Kansas, there's not a lot of churches up there. And I can tell you, this is a huge congregation compared to where my grandfather went. There was at most maybe 20 or 30 members, you know, ever that were there. And one of the things that, I, again, other than being there, because, again, grandmother and grandfather were always there when the doors were open. My grandfather said over on the left side, I could take you, I think, to this day and take you to the seat where he sat because they sat in the same place every time they were there. Only problem is that the building that they went to is gone. A tornado took it away about 20 years ago. But my grandfather, when the singing would start, it was an interesting thing in that my grandfather couldn't sing a lick. I want you to know that, my goodness, when, you know, when the song is, Josh was leading singing this morning, you know, you went up and down, you know, as far as your voice. Well, Grandpa didn't go up and down. Grandpa just came out like this. And it was monotone. And, and, the inter and I can tell you, he was the loudest singer in the congregation. But as I say that, everybody in the congregation didn't mind Grandpa singing because I can tell you, it came from the heart. Okay, boy, how do you knew when he was singing, you knew where it was coming from. Well, as I say that, and I tell you just that story regarding him, that remembrance is almost gone, is almost passing. He had seven children. Those seven children had 25 children. A lot of those 25, of which I'm part of, many of them never even knew their grandfather because he died when I was nine and I was the oldest grandson. And so there were many grandchildren, you know, that were born after he passed on. And now we're getting to a point that those 25, uh, the 25 are starting at about age 66 and we're going down and not a one of my cousins has passed on. But as we do, what will be the memory of Harry Carson? It will pass, but will Harry Carson, will he ever pass away? He did here on earth, but where is he today? I can tell you he is singing in perfect pitch in a chorus someplace. Boy, he doesn't have to worry about being monotone. He's somewhere, and he's praising God, and he's doing it for eternity. And I can tell you, I look forward to seeing him again. Well, when we go back to Luke, the 10th chapter, there, there's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And really, I want to spend more time, rather than just the parable, on where it starts. And it start, starting in verse 25 of chapter 10 of Luke, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, 
love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, and with love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as Jesus was talking with the uh, Jewish, the Jewish leader, or the expert in the law at that time, he was bringing back what had been said to who? To the Israelites back in the Old Testament, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And they had been told to do what? To teach their children and their children, and to teach them how. Teach them every day. Teach them when they were walking. Teach them when they were eating. Teach them when you're getting ready to put them to bed. And the teaching that took place, my goodness, it could be what? In many, many different ways. I can tell you that when we get together and we see one another, and when we think about those who have gone on, and ones who have taught us, each and every one of us has been taught in different ways by our loved ones. I can tell you that, you know, when I think back to my father, to my grandfathers, to my grandmothers, all of them, I was blessed in that all of them were Christians. And they taught me in many different ways. And I can tell you that Patty and I, we were in the position to where for 20, 28 years, we never had any children. And I can take you back to our 20s that we were worshiping in Snyder, Texas. And at that time, all of our friends had kids. We didn't. And one night, Patty and I, we got to talking about it. And it, it was interesting because we started figuring that if all the people died who had willed us their kids, we'd have 16 kids. And, and I tell you what, sobered us up a little bit because I thought, my goodness, I hope they all don't go at the same time. I didn't want any of them to go, but I sure didn't want them to all go at the same time. As the years went by, all those people, they, their children grew up, and we didn't have any of them come to live with us. But I can tell you that the Lord still had plans. He had plans in that I didn't have any of my own children to teach, but we did. We spent time teaching, you know, other children. We spent time being in Bible classes and, and teaching our nieces and nephews and just spending time with them. But after 28 years, we had a young lady come and live with us for her senior year. She came and she became our daughter. And the Lord completely changed our lives because of that. Because all of a sudden, other than not having anyone in our lives that, you know, we, quote, were responsible for, now we took somebody in that we said, we want to have at least some, some responsibility as far as her soul. Now, I can tell you, when you bring in a 17-year-old into your home, I can tell you, there... Do you think that you're going to have a whole lot of effect on a 17-year-old? Now, I remember myself at 17, and I can tell you, if I'd gone somewhere at 17 and gone to live, boy, Heidi, most, most of the uh, learning and things that had gone on went on before 17. Not, not starting at that age and going this way, okay? But I can tell you this also, 
When we didn't have children, I stayed young. Boy, howdy, all of our friends who had children, they all aged. They aged rapidly. It was amazing. But when we got a child at 49, I want you to know that all this hair was dark brown. And, you know, to this day, I now have two daughters and a wife. And my wife, she'll tell you, she'll look and say, look at my hair. And she says, I, I only have two gray hairs. And I'll go, well, honey, look at mine. You know, I have a few more. And I tell her, I say, listen, all the women of my life have done this to me. But all the women of my life, their hair looks great because I'm a perfect husband and perfect father. Now, I'm glad they're not allowed to get up and speak. But as we talk about that, we were able to do what? We went into a point in time in our lives that we were able to teach. And I'll tell you one of the ways that I teach. If you see me going down, this, down the uh, Highway 60, boy, howdy, I'm up and down 60 almost every day. And many times you would see me in the car, and if you look in the back seat, there'd be two little boys. And those two little boys, they're back there, and I want to see, see a show of hands. How many of you know these songs that, I mean, my goodness, are just ones that they're classics? Oh, the moon shines tonight on Charlie Chaplin. There were ten in the bed, and the little one said, roll over. Oh, I got one here. Quick, quack, pony, money. Oh, I've got no, I, I see, yes. I tell you what, we have a repertoire of songs, and we get in this car, and we head out to the house, and boy, the boys will go, I want to sing such and such. I want to sing this. Well, some of the repertoire will be, I'm in the Lord's army. Now, I bet I'd get a few more hands there, okay? You know, we'll get doing what? Building the house on the rock. What else do we have? We have, I'm in the Lord's army, and we're riding, and we're shooting. And boy, Heidi, the one that automatically gets asked for every time is what? Deep and, oh, I figured I might get it over here from one of them. Because boy, Heidi, deep and wide, they love singing it. And you should see me drive with my hands doing this. It is amazing. People just start moving. I'm only kidding. I keep one hand on the wheel. I've got a daughter over here. They'll never let me have them again. But I get to teach. I get to teach in a way that, you know, they get to spend time with Papa. And someday, when I'm not here, I hope that they do remember some of the things which we did, some of the things which we got to experience together. I hope, again, that, and I say this, I know that my daughter and my son-in-law, I know that they're spending time, and they're spending time with their son's teaching because we'll ask questions. And when I say we'll ask questions, we'll ask, who is Noah? And I can tell you, boy, howdy, Merrick, the oldest one, he just pops right off to it. He'll tell you just answers to things that we go, my goodness, we know he's being taught. And we think that that is wonderful. Now, having said that, again, how do we want to be remembered? Every one of us here, again, as I say, can think of people 
that have had influences in our lives. And I can tell you that if you go back to Luke 10, one of the main ways that we're remembered is through service. And you have what? The Good Samaritan, that there was a Levite and there was a priest who had seen a man that was there and had been beaten and left half dead. And did either one of them stop to help him? No, they said the Samaritan stopped. Somebody stopped and helped him. It was somebody in that day and time that wasn't thought of well whatsoever. But each and every one of us, every day have the opportunity, opportunity to do what? To be of service. And if I went that back, and I've got a list of names here which don't mean a thing to any of you, but they mean great things to me because there were people that I got to live and associate with that they lived a life of service, a life of service as far as helping others and living a life of service as far as to God. One that I just simply have to spend a minute here telling you about was our neighbor across the street for 20 some odd years. He was one who, he ended up uh, getting me to be his neighbor. I didn't want to be his neighbor. I can tell you that. He said, there's a house. He told my mother-in-law, he said, Dot, there's a house across the street from us that you, Patty and Mark, you guys need to buy that house and move in. And I can tell you, the first time I walked in that house, I couldn't breathe. And when I say I couldn't breathe, the reason why I couldn't breathe was because both of the people who lived in the house were four pack-a-day smokers. And they'd lived there long enough that there was smoke in everything. I couldn't breathe. And we walked out, and Patty said, what do you think? And I said, you've got to be out of your mind. But what did we do? My wife told me how we could fix it, and we bought it. And in fact, she's the one who made the uh, offer. And my goodness, she'll be the first to tell you that she's a much better person at offering and you know, getting good deals than I am because I had no desire to have the house. But we moved in and Lewis was across the street. And Lewis was a man that I can tell you, he didn't know a stranger. I, I can tell you that when he died, I don't remember how many, but there were thousands of people in his cell phone. <laughs> and, and that's not a joke. Lewis had friends from everywhere. He knew everyone. And in the, just in the neighborhood, he would tell you. He'd come over to the house, and, and, and Lewis was that kind of man. He'd tell you. Okay, he didn't ask. He'd tell you. He'd say, listen, before you go to Walmart to get something, give me a call, and let me, and let me tell you whether or not I have it. Because if I have it, you don't need it. Okay. Well, he had a three-car garage that it was called Ardmart, okay? And if you needed something, you were silly to go buy it because it was probably at that Ardmart. He knew where everything was. He knew how to fix everything. And if he didn't know how to fix it, he'd still tell you he did. And I can tell you that it was just, you know, it was an amazing 20-some-odd years that we got to live next to them. Because we saw him in a way that he helped everyone. His family, his family was just amazing. It still is today in that 
his family, they raised their children. He was married to Darla. Darla is still living today. But Lewis was a man that he took in people. His grandchildren, his grandchildren were every color of the rainbow. And I can tell you that he adopted two ladies. One lady was Hispanic, and he adopted her whole family. Another family was um, Bhutanese. <laughs> I'm glad I get a little help here. It was a Bhutanese family that had moved to the United States. And when I say that he adopted them, they converted the families. They became Christians. They studied with them. And after they studied with them and they became Christians, boy, how did they become family? They became blood family as far as they were concerned. They became part of the Christian family, which was even more important. They did what, what all people should probably be doing today, and that was what? Reaching out. Well, let me take you back to the song. Song 570. A few years ago, and it was probably anywhere from about seven to ten years ago, I don't remember exactly, I was asked to lead singing at a funeral. And again, at many funerals, you know, they call you up and they say, Mark, will you lead? And I, you know, yes, be more than happy to. And do you, do you have the songs that you'd like? And boy, I had to, you know, they'd go down and give me the songs. And that was great. But periodically, you know, you wouldn't have the family where they'd give you songs. And I'm going to use Lewis just as an example because Lewis passed away here about five years ago. And when he did, the family, they had some songs that they wanted led. But I told him, I said, listen, I said, Lewis needs 570. And the family looked at me and said, what is it? And, you know, they pulled up some book and they looked and they saw a beautiful life. Let's look at the words again. Each day I'll do a golden deed by helping those who are in need. My life on earth is but a span, and so I'll do the best I can. To be a child of God each day, my life must shine along the way. I'll sing his praise while ages roll and strive to help some troubled soul. The only life that will endure is one that's kind and good and pure. And so for God, I'll take my stand. Each day, I'll lend a helping hand. While going down life's weary road, I'll try to lift some traveler's load. I'll try to turn the night to day, make flowers bloom along the way. Life's evening sun is sinking low. A few more days, and I must go to meet the deeds that I have done where there will be no setting sun. I can tell you that I've loved this song, and all songs should be just exactly like this from being a song because it has a bass lead, okay? And yes, I am a bass, and so again, they should all be bass leads. This song I led for years and really did not just look at those words and take them to heart until I did stop to think about what the words meant and what they said as far as folks' lives. And having, 
having done that and having over the last few years led it at a few funerals, it's been one that, again, it doesn't apply to everyone. The song doesn't apply to everyone. But boy, howdy, is it powerful when it applies to someone's life. When it applies, <laughs> it, it just really will let you just sit back and you'll stop and think, if you know that person, what their life was like and what they did in this life, where they're at in the life to come. And so I share that with you this morning that, again, how will you be remembered when you are someday no longer here, but you've passed on You're to your heavenly reward? What will the people left behind be thinking? What will they be saying? What will they remember? I can't think of a better thing to be remembered by than the words of this song. This morning, if there's any of you that have any needs whatsoever as far as just any prayers from us as far as help in your life, Please let us know, and if there's any of you this morning that would like to put Jesus on as your Lord and Savior, again, we're going to tell you that now, feel free to come because we would love to have you part of the family as we stand and sing.